This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Sunday, September 6th, 2015. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. The message is by Father Ron Baird. lesson from Mark is an interesting one. We, last year we were reading from the book of Matthew, and we read the story of the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter had a demon, um, and so we talked about it. So this year I wanted to focus um, on the story that comes after that. You know, Jesus had been up near Tyre, and now he's come down, back down through Galilee, and he's finally gone south of Galilee into the Decapolis area, uh, which is between um, Jerusalem and Capernaum. Um, and it's on, you know, kind of follows along the Jordan River, really. And when he arrives there, we saw from the Syrophoenician woman that he must have been tired or something because he was getting to the point where he just said, please don't tell anybody I'm around. Do you ever feel like that? Don't let anybody know I'm here because if you, if you do, they're all going to come and want something. So I don't want to be there. So that's sort of his, the way he's been operating. So he stops in the Decapolis and, and immediately they find out that Jesus was there and some people, the word had gone ahead. And so some people bring to him a man who was deaf and unable to speak. So apparently he had been deaf from birth because um, if you can't hear when you're born, it's very difficult to learn how to make those sounds. Um, and so frequently people who are deaf from birth can't speak at all. They can make guttural noises, but they don't really hear what it sounds like. So they can't really learn how to do it well. We, you know, the Helen Keller stories are great in some of that if you want to see it. But, so they bring him to him and they want him to lay hands on him to heal him. They want to say a prayer, heal this guy. So Jesus decides to do something a little different for this. He takes the man away in private. Now think about this. This guy's deaf and mute and he didn't know Jesus and all of his friends are there and Jesus is taking him away from them to another place. He just kind of guides them away. That in and of itself must be a little weird, but apparently he had some idea of maybe this guy could heal him or something. I don't know how they would have communicated that, but they let him know somehow. And so he leads him off, and when he gets him off on his own, you know, he doesn't do what he did with the Syrophoenician woman. He didn't just say, be healed, and he's healed. What he does instead is he takes his two fingers and he sticks it, sticks them in the guy's ears. And then he pulls his fingers out. I often have this image in my mind, going, Jesus going, hmm, earwax. Yeah. But if that in all, then he spits on his finger. And he does this. And gets the guy to open his mouth. And the guy opens his mouth and he takes the spit and earwax now that's on his finger and touches the guy's tongue. Now most people's reaction is, ooh, gross. <laughs> I suspect that was his reaction too. If you'd gone to someone who you asked for prayer for healing and that was what they did to you, what would you do? I'd run. <laughs> Fast. But it's amazing. And the funny part is after he's done all of that, the guy still can't hear anything. He still can't speak. And so Jesus then does something quite different. He looks up into heaven and he has a deep sigh. So you can sort of imagine him going, <sighs> it's like, I'm really tired of this stuff. And he says, epata. Now that's Aramaic, by the way. There are very few words that were actually the language that Jesus spoke that we have in the Bible. 
but that was one of the ones that he actually said, and they actually spoke, because there'd be no reason to put it in Aramaic otherwise. Now, how they knew when he was off in private, I don't know, unless he told the disciples later what he had said, but, but he said, epata, which means be opened. And the minute that happened, the guy's ears opened up. Now, think about that for a minute. I don't know if you've ever had a hearing problem or difficulty with hearing, but um, when I was a kid, I had very small ear canals, and my ears produced a lot of wax. And so every few years, they would finally just plug up completely, and, and the wax would harden. So it was almost like I was wearing earplugs all the time. You know, I couldn't hear. So they'd have to, my parents would have to take me to an ENT who would have to sort of pick the wax out of my ear and try washing it out, and it, it took a long time to do that. But what I remember most about it is that when I would walk outside, there was a parking lot and a busy street, and I thought, oh man, that's loud. It was like somebody turned the volume up on the world or something. Because um, there's a lot of difference between walking around and wearing earplugs and then suddenly taking them out. But, and it was really, really loud, just a lot of roar and noise. And think about this, this man had never had his hearing. Now, mentally, he didn't have cars going by. I mean, he didn't have airplanes overhead or helicopters. But I still imagine it was pretty loud to him. Just the wind alone would have sounded loud. And he, he, that must have overwhelmed him. And so immediately he does what he nat does naturally. He thinks he's just going to make guttural sound. You know, he just starts mouthing. But words come out. He starts actually speaking the thoughts that are in his head, which is even more amazing because Jesus didn't teach him. He just did it. It's like, all of those years that he'd missed were suddenly uh, taken away. And all the things that you know, little kids normally go through as they're learning to talk had been instilled in him. And he had caught up to where he was so that the thoughts in his head could now be expressed um, with his tongue. Probably still had a weird taste in his mouth from the spit and the, and the weird wax. But hey, if that works, how great can that be? And all that came from Jesus saying, be opened. Now, I suspect that the, men's, the man's friends, that was not the way they really had it planned. Um, you know, they didn't come and ask him to stick his fingers in, their ear, in the guy's ear or to touch his tongue or spit or any of that stuff. So I don't think they had planned. What they really wanted was for Jesus to say, be healed and the guy would be healed and it'd be wonderful, right? And that's what we do when we want God to take care of a problem for us, when we have a when we have pain or when we have an illness or we have financial problems or relationship problems, you know, we ask God, please, God, take this away from me. But what we really mean is, you know, wave your magic wand and do your thing. I mean, go bing, and then it's all good, right? But God doesn't necessarily act that way. You know, God does, even if he does choose to heal us, he doesn't choose to heal us because we told him to do it. Because he wouldn't be much of a God if we were in charge, would he? You know, he heals us for his own purposes and for the purposes of his kingdom. And because he loves us, but because he also sees the outcome of that kind of healing or not healing. And so the first approach we have to go to God is that we have to realize that if God's going to send healing our way, he's going to do it because he wants to. I know with Paul, if you remember, he had prayed over and over again that God would remove this thorn from his flesh. Doesn't really tell us what it is. Um, a lot of people suspect it was his bad temper, but they don't really know. Um, and he said, but the Lord has chosen to let it remain with me. And as far as we know, he never got rid of it. Apparently God thought it was better that he keep that. Which might 
be true, by the way, because if Paul didn't have something he could identify as less than perfect, he probably would have thought he'd already arrived and was perfect. Because, you know, if you listen to him all the time, he talks about people speaking in tongues. Well, I know you speak in tongues, but I'd do it better than all of you. You know, I know you follow the law, but I'd do it better than all of you. I mean, he's always doing things better than everybody else. So, God does these things for his own reasons and for his own purposes. And sometimes he does it in really weird ways, like sticking his fingers in our ears. I mean, imagine that. You're saying, God, you know, my hearing's going bad. I'm going to have to get a hearing aid. Please improve my hearing. And so next thing you know, Jesus is standing in front of you, he sticks his fingers in your ear. Wouldn't that be weird? So one of the things we have to realize is that God does this on our own. But the truth is, is that we all are deaf, aren't we? We all have things we can't hear. We may not be deaf to everything, but we're deaf to a lot of things. How many people here can hear criticism easily? One person? <laughs> you know, most people don't deal well with criticism. We don't like it. What do we do when people criticize us? Get defensive? That's one way. What's the other way we deal with it? Attack back. Yeah, go on. Best defense is a good offense, you know. Um, so you either have people who are explaining, rationalizing why this had to be this way, and you're mistaken, or you have people who are saying, well, but you did this and this and this and this. And does that ever resolve anything, by the way? Now, we don't have to do that that way, by the way. We could approach criticism from the assumption that it's a free country. We don't live in a dictatorship. People have the right to criticize us if they want to. But that doesn't mean we have to believe it. Because we also have the right to do with it what we want to do with it. Imagine what the difference would be if when somebody's criticizing you, rather than getting all agitated and angry and upset, if what you did was say, well, I'm going to listen to what they have to say, see if I can figure out if there's any truth in this. And then what we do is we listen to it, and if we can figure it out, we go, okay, I can see that, so you know, I need to work on that. Or if we don't, then we go, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. You know, I hear what you're saying, but it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't know how to fix something that doesn't make sense to me. So unless you can explain it better, <laughs> then I'm sort of up creek. Because if you think about it, if somebody criticizes you and, and you don't really see yourself that way and you don't see yourself, that's what, what you're doing or what you're thinking, then how in the world would you change it? You know, the one I always love is when people say, I know what you're thinking. I always love that one. Oh, really? You climbed into my brain? I mean, how did you do that? That's pretty cool. Because half the time, I don't even know what I'm thinking. But what can I do if people say, I know what your real motives are, and I'm going, no, that wasn't why I did that. Yes, that is. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like we're at an impasse here, because I can't get very far. So sometimes, you know, we don't want to hear the criticism, but it doesn't mean that it's bad. Critic 